Hi, John. Hi, Ben. How you doing? Uh, well, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm well. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. Uh, well, we're still waiting on our esteemed guests for this evening, aren't we? Well, you know what these lobbies are like, you know? They fucking like to keep you waiting. Well, well, so it would appear. So at some point, sometime in the last ten minutes, we were supposed to receive James Bembridge. He assures us he is on his way. So we wait. We play as a waiting game, but we didn't want to keep you fine folks waiting. So whilst we do wait, let's just chuck it on over to the troll room, I guess. How are you all this evening? I hope you are well. Um, and uh, good to see some of you. Andrew, I see Odin, Obin1, I see DW, Dreadeye and Julie. Um, good to see you all. So this is not the usual start to a well, a guest show. We usually have the guest on beforehand, and then we go live. But I mean, we're, we're, it's not like a, it's not like I didn't give him the information early enough. Now let's not start. Let's, we can we can have this conversation when he comes. Why does everybody right? leave everything to the last fucking minute? Well, for all we know, he's even Mark Changizi does it as well. Yeah, but he was rushing across town in his car. <laughs> Come on, boys! I'm trying to get back to you. Yeah, I'll just, uh, I'm just, I'm just rushing across Miami in the rush hour traffic. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's four twenty, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. And what does that mean? What does that mean, Mister Stephen King? Well, it's the day that I, it's the day that I lose my blue check mark, John. <laughs> so I, I tweeted them this morning. Are you pay? Are you going to pay for it? <laughs> what it what it actually means is it's International Weed Day, and there's been a massive gathering in London in Hyde Park of people just getting absolutely high as a kite today. Has that? So, uh, oh yeah, it's you International just, Weed Day. So does that mean you could just like go there and stand about and get high? Because you That's wouldn't even need to smoke doing. it, would you? That's what That's loads the... of people were doing. It's like, do you remember that, that clap that we had of the guy? The, the reporters when they were burning the drugs and the camera crew and the reporter got highest case. That was funny. It was. It, it was. But yes, it, it would probably be the same sort of thing. Well, we have. He's on mute. Yes, he's we on have, mute. I see a JB. This is a good start. It's a start. You'll have to unmute yourself by going to the menu at the bottom. Yep. And switch on the camera if you can. So this is, this is why I didn't give him the, the, the details. No, 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 no. Calm down, John. Oh. Calm down. Oh, he's, he's bucked out. What's going on? Uh, oh, this is, this is, this is. Right, we, we're getting there. We're getting there. We, we made some progress. Some progress was made. Ah, oh, dear. And there is a resurgence. Oh, here it goes again. Oh, oh. So I've sent him a message that said, what's going on? You Wait, appeared to be muted without video. I think he's video. unmuted. Hello. I think he's unmuted. Speak to us, James. Hello. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, we can yes, hear you. Yes, we can. Okay, super. <laughs> nice to join you. Right. What about nice. video? Have you got video? 
Yes. How do, how do I do that? See down Sorry, the bottom that um, says start video? Oh, video. Oh, video. Okay, yeah. One second. So this this is just Zoom. Yeah, yes, there you go. There we go. Good evening, sir. <laughs> Good evening. <laughs> Good evening. John, over to you then. We yeah. are live. <laughs> well, we are live, yeah. So uh, I'd like to welcome everyone to this Thursday night guest with Chasing Descent. It's James Benbridge with me, John, and Ben, who's somewhere on the south coast. Somewhere. So... It's, uh, it's good to see you, James. I've been following your tweets for some time now. Um, I, I quite enjoy them. They are somewhat acerbic at times. Uh, <laughs> but, um, I'm sorry you can't understand much of what he is saying. He is Scottish. Hey. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm quite well versed with Scottish, uh, Scottish accent because I'm friends with James Melville. But no, the, the problem is, though, as you say, some of my tweets are a bit out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that um, the problem with journalism is that these days you just can't really, um, you know, there's no sort of Jeffrey Bernard characters, there's no sort of outlandish characters. Yeah. And um, for me, I think the low life is where the poetry lies, you know. Mm-hmm. I've seen a, a portrait of a uh, prostitute and a politician. And so that's what I've been doing in uh, my last, I don't know, three or four articles. Um, but um, most editors don't really look quite like it, you know, but they're yeah. too squeamish these days, that's a problem. Yeah, well, do you not think everyone's thing... too squeamish these days? It's it's like nobody, everybody's frightened to offend anyone, it's crazy. Yeah, but it's... Well, I mean, yes, this is, the, this is the feedback that I got. So I wrote an article on this um, sort of strip club in Soho. And you know, there's, uh, I went there with my uh, straight friend called Alex, and because it's you know, Soho's just gone completely down the pan these days. You you can't get a late night drink. You can only go to these strip clubs to get a late night drink. And so I went there with him, and you know, there was this Russian whore sort of gyrating her arse in front of my face, and she was saying something like, uh, "Do you like what I see? Do you, sorry, do you like what you see?" And her arse was so large that I could actually see very little. <laughs> and, and, and I was sort of looking to Alex to help, and then he just started laughing, which made matters worse. She took his laughter. She took his laughter to be a sign of our enjoyment, and started eating her ass with new and violent speed in my face. And <laughs> eventually, I, ha- I had to say the safe word, the only safe word that I knew, which was that I'm gay. And then we got thrown out of the place. Um, so that's, <laughs> that's the kind of stuff that I've been writing about at the moment. And as you can probably tell, most editors don't really like that kind of stuff. Oh, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> what a way to open an interview. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, off to you. I wish it was a martini, yeah. but unfortunately it's just water. Ah. <sighs> but... It's like, so I sent that article to, um, the, do you know the Critic magazine? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I sent that to um, the editor, the online version of that. He's very, he's very cool. He's very sound. He's my age as well. Right. He liked it. He said that, you know, if you were to write about something like that, then it would raise some eyebrows in the sort of editorial office. There. So, you know, yeah. it, this is all thing about journalism now. All of them have to self-censor. Yeah. So 
Orwell, when he was doing, writing this proposed forward to Animal Farm, mm. which almost proved his point, the forward yeah. didn't get published. He said something like, the problem, and this was back in what, uh, early 40s, I think. He said something like, the problem with British journalism isn't censorship from the state. The problem is that too many journalists are too ready to censor themselves, and too many subjects aren't just a dumb thing to say so. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, how many subjects have we seen like that now, whether it be the Rotherham grooming gangs mm-hmm. or, yeah. or the lockdowns or the... Um, or, or the um, uh, you know, the adverse effects from mm-hmm. the vaccines, however small however you know, small they are, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So like that. There's so many subjects. And I knew um sorry, I know you've not even asked me a question yet, so I'm just rambling on about we just do chat. <laughs> Thank you. One of my friends um uh, was friends with the editor of um quite a sort of new but very high regarded publication. I won't name it, but um you know, it's, it's, it's not the critic, but it's on the same sort of level as critic. Uh-huh. Right. And they said that the editor of that publication sent them uh, a sort of draft version of a article that they were going to do, this was a year ago, on vaccine harms, you know, looking into them and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, everyone was saying, oh, yeah, this is really great, this is really good. You, you have to publish it. It's so good that this is coming out in a kind of vaguely mainstream publication. And, of course, he decided against it because he knew it would tarnish the brand of his publication and so go back going back to Orwell, he was right. The problem is that so many journalists it's not censorship in the States, nothing like that. It's just that so many journalists are too ready to censor themselves. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that might be not because of censorship from the state, but censorship from big you're making Ben, business. you're very quiet Sorry, from big industry, from big business, because uh, as somebody who got into that sort of, you know, live streaming slash independent reporting filled over the past three and a half years i found the people that came for me despite the fact all i was doing was showing people what was happening in front of my eyes were the mm. youtubes whether were the facebook's were the twitters whether were the big companies and big business of the world coming down on me hard and making sure that i couldn't show show off what i was seeing because it followed a certain path because it followed yeah. a certain narrative i believe we me and you and john and probably all of us here walk the same path on on our views on the lockdowns and things like mm. that but you couldn't do it because these big businesses were coming down and and any chance you could have got from maybe making an income from doing that work was just taken away from you so do you yes. think that is a big factor yeah, of course it is uh, i know journalists again i can't name the name but um they this was must have been sometime last year when they were going to roll out the uh new well, I'd call them new therapeutics for the COVID mm-hmm. vaccines. Yeah. Um, so, you know, to children, you know, people like 12 years old and stuff yeah. like that. And um, th- this journalist had a meeting with the sort of editorial team of the Daily Mail. And, um, you know, the journalist was uh, bringing forward all this evidence and stuff like that and said, look, there's a big story here, we need to put it out. And the editorial team basically said to this journalist, um, yeah, you know, sorry, you know, we just think the vaccine is the way out of lockdown, and so we really don't want to run with this story. And that's how it is. That's how it is in the mainstream media. Yeah. Uh, not, that's not news. That's not reporting. That's of course not. Yeah. It's 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 propagandizing to an to 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 a large degree, I would say. Yeah. And I, 
I would say over the last three years, certainly, there's certainly been some state intervention in the way of basically the state have been paying all of the major publications' bills. So perhaps they didn't want that gravy train to finish. I think that's the most positive, sure. And also, I think, you know, there's something there again about the self-centering. They're too terrified because, you know, the, um, you know, now conspiracy theorists is the new sort of lazy... Um, pejorative, like racist, racist. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, the, but it's it's a powerful one, you know. Uh, you know high high profile journal, British journalists, even if they have a very, um, you know, uh, if they're very uh, well regarded, they're still terrified of, of that pejorative. Yeah. And I so, it, one of the, I was going to say, I think one of the prime examples of that would be Peter Hitchens, who came out very early came out very early in opposition to all of the narrative of the last three years and has basically been slaughtered, destroyed and brought down by anyone or anything mainstream. And he's just seen now as a contrarian, whereas I think he had some very, very valid uh, points. He he was using well-rounded evidence. He was he was speaking sense. And because he, he, I would say he was a high-regarded mainstream media journalist at one point, and I would say he's not held in such high esteem anymore. Um, well, he was always a contrarian. I mean, um, you know, Pete Hitchens, he gets paid to be a contrarian. I mean, he'll, he'll deny it. He'll deny this, of course. But he gets paid to be a contrarian. You know, all of his articles uh, that, you know, all of his articles from there on Sunday, um, you know, they'll say, Peter, why don't you write about this in, in you know, kind of controversial kind of way, and he'll do it. And obviously he'll deny that. I'll say he's not contrarian, but he is. And that's what he gets yeah, paid yeah. to do, which is fair enough. Uh, but yes, he is highly, highly regarded, and uh, yes, he was one of the first ones with kind of vaguely mainstream pa- platform that went against lockdown. Um, uh, his initial interviews with Mike Graham, and uh, Mike Graham actually had him actually, on for I, the purpose of destroying him. Yeah, but that let, was why he wanted him there. Let's not focus on on the last three years because that's right. Okay, I, I yeah, don't yeah. think I don't think that's the cause of what's happening just now because the the mainstream. The, the mainstream journalism, news news gathering, news reporting, it's all been falling into step well before that because everybody goes along with the same thing and nobody really wants to put their head above the parapet and, and stick yeah. it up there. Because, I mean, even look, look today at, at what's happening in Ukraine. You don't find out what's happening in real terms until you start going abroad and digging through, like, Hindustani Times and, you know, other obscure countries' uh, publications where you're getting a more balanced reporting of both sides. Whereas this, mm. uh, this, in this country and in America, you only ever get the, you know, the, the US view. Yes. Well, it's like this uh, girl that works with the BBC, what's she called? Marianne. Oh, Marianne, Marianne Spring. Oh, Marianne. Is it? Is that? You, you couldn't make up a more sort of Orwellian um, job class. <laughs> what is it? She's head of disinformation for the BBC or something. Yeah. Yep. Uh, one, one of my friends that lives with me here, actually, um, his son knew someone who was with Marianne in Oxford. Um, I think they were, I don't know if they were studying history or politics or something. And, uh, you know, he said that he was, she was the dullest girl in class, mm-hmm. which is no surprise. And that's why she's gone on to, uh, gone into that job title. Because, you know, it, 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 
because if you go and be the head of disinformation, that means that you question nothing. If you yeah. question nothing, then you've yeah. got not much. Uh, so it shows a very shallow intelligence, probably. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, well, they're all doing it now, aren't they? The the disinformation. I mean, look at Facebook. They even pulled um, what's his name? Oh, what's his name? Oh, for God's sake, the guy the. Come Which on, one? you can do it. Oh, the guy that used to be in the Lib Dems. No, the, no, the, no, the, the American guy that's running for president. He's put in. Oh, sorry, um, oh, somebody junior, oh. yeah, uh, uh, Kennedy junior. Yeah, Robert F. Kennedy. Robert, yeah, Robert so F. Kennedy. The pulled has commencement yes, speech that. halfway <laughs> through it. <laughs> well, it's it's like um, it's like you know, whilst I don't, I'm I'm quite anti-government at the moment, as you can probably understand. MP Andrew Bridgin, um, his speeches in Parliament were pulled by YouTube. Yes. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure, they returned them and went, oh, oh, sorry, my mistake. But that's only after a massive stink was kicked up on Twitter about it. Yes. Yeah. Um, these, I think these big social media companies have have definitely got too much power when it comes to journalism because they really do hinder and, and hurt the idea of a free and fair press. Well, I think I think they're... They've, they've overstepped their mark because they are not acting like a platform. They're acting like publishers, and oh. if they act yeah. like publishers, then they leave. They should be leaving themselves open to being sued. And what it, what we need is we need people that have got the money to actually do that. But unfortunately, you know, that, that very rarely occurs. Yeah, uh, but I also think that it's you know just. There's something rotten in the state of journalism these days. Like, um, I was talking to someone yesterday who actually used to know Jeffrey Bernard. It, I don't know if you know him. He was like sort of um, a bit like me, I suppose. <laughs> a sort of alcoholic journalist in the white suit and used to write the low-life column for The Spectator when he was sober enough to do so. Yeah. Um, it's like I was asking him, you know, where, where did all those sort of characters go? Like Jeffrey Bernard, Christopher Hitchens, you know, um, Tom Wolf, you know, people like that, yeah. you know, who brought romance to journalism. And, well, actually, the guy, it was in the, I was in the Groucho Club and I was speaking to um, this guy called Adele Wall. Um, um, Adele, I forget his name, actually. <laughs> he's, a, he's a sort of veteran uh, Fleet Street reporter anyway. He said, well, part of the problem is, one, that uh, the journalists don't drink enough anymore, which is probably true. But also, you know, it's the culture. And, you know, I'm saying, I'm supposed to, most journalists these days, they dress like bankers, they speak like PR people. Uh, there's no romance there or artistry to it. And it's like, some of the young journalists especially, it's like they're the sort of public school boys who weren't bright enough to go into finance. And so the thickos go into journalism and daddy makes a phone call. Um, I won't name any names. <laughs> Tom Harwood. Uh, but you know who I mean. Yeah. You know who I mean. Yeah, yeah. We get, we get the idea. <laughs> I mean, no, no. To be fair to Tom, he's, he's quite talented doing the straight reporting stuff. But um, I'm not even just speaking about him. It's just like there's so many people that I've seen, you know, that go and talk TV. GB News and yeah. um, the public school boys and the, they, they have very little say and so they sort of pad out their sentences by saying something like what, what, what they're saying um, I'll say that something's 
either bonkers or they'll say extraordinary. But they won't just say extraordinary like you or I would say extraordinary. They'll really draw it out whilst I think of something else to say. They'll say extraordinary. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> but it's like um, it's, she's disappeared just now because I think she's resumed her studies, but Sophie Carker and... She, uh, yeah, yeah. She just she's, came... she's a prime example, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've nothing against Sophie, you no, know, no, getting her. No, just... you know, she's very young, you know, but um, yeah, it, it's like this, this whole new crowd now of young, uh, vaguely conservative um, uh, students that yeah. go on to TV and they're not, they're not presented as students, they're presented as some sort of experts on any given topic. Yeah. You know, we, we you know, green top, uh, green... Butterworth pop up and they say expert. Ex- <laughs> on what? Being a twat! The other one's Literally. Femi. What, what's Femi ever done? Femi's older than me. I mean, I thought that he was like students or something. Yeah, as... but black don't crack. You know? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Owen <laughs> Jones. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, no, no. So I, I actually respect Owen Jones more than I do Benjamin Butterworth because Benjamin Butterworth will just pour himself onto any TV sofa that's oh, yeah. there, yeah. and he'll, he'll just and, and I hit and I have it in good authority from one of the um, hosts on GD News that Benjamin Butterworth doesn't actually believe half the stuff that he says. It just I, you know, I, just, I, oh, be- yeah, I, I believe that. that. Yeah. Whereas Owen Jones. As annoying as he is, serially annoying as he is, he, you know, he, he does have a bit of a brain. And at least when he goes on these long, awful monologues, he actually tries to make them, you know, interesting and stuff like that. Whereas Benjamin Butterworth will just say anything to get on a TV soldier. How did he ever get on a TV in the first? I've no idea. I've no idea. No, I don't. That's, that's, that, that's a great mystery. I don't know. I mean, he sh- he shares my name. I'm for well, I'm not a Benjamin, but I am a Ben, and and uh, uh, just oh, I see him and I just cringe. I cringe. <laughs> it's a cracking name, though. You know, that's the type of person that should be. He should be like an extrovert and should be well. I suppose maybe as a little extrovert, but he should be a character. I mean, the Benjamin Butterworth just sounds like something out of Dickens' novel. <laughs> yes. Well, he's a character, though. That's the point. He yeah, plays well, up to the character. Yeah, he does, he does um, play a character. He's, he's completely contrived. And he, yeah. as I said, he doesn't believe half the stuff he says. Well, no, I, I, I don't think he does either. I think he'll say whatever gets him a paycheck. He does seem the type. Yeah. Um, unfortunately... It's, we, it's also we, like... I was listening to... That. But, Hence, we're poor. Right. Say that again. <laughs> yeah. that. <laughs> uh, but I was listening to that in, in, this interview with Piers Morgan and Bill Mayer, uh-huh. uh, which came out yesterday, I think. And again, this is the problem I have. This is why I don't really listen to GB News or talk TV or many TV, to be honest. It's the same old cultural issues. And, you know, if you're going to argue against them, there's only so many arguments you can form to argue against them. And so many, you, you can't make them interesting after about seven years of arguing against them. And so, Do you uh, know it's what? More... Yeah, go on. I was going to say because I think I know what you're going to say, roughly. And we, I keep getting asked by people, why don't you cover things like drag te- drag queen story time? And I say because everybody else is exactly. It's, exactly. it's just so tiring. It's just yes. so tiring. Yes. Yeah. 
I mean, it's even the know. people that live stream the protests. They all moved on to live streaming outside drag team Queen Storytime events. So I used to live stream the protests as well. I said, I'm not doing that. I don't yeah. want to do that. Yeah. It, I mean, I'm not saying that, that these aren't important issues. They obviously are. And I don't think that these issues are, you know, because you get some sort of sniffish conservatives who think that the cultural wars are beneath them. I don't think that. I think they are important issues. And, you know, like some people say, why do they keep on writing or talking about them well my response would be that you know the issues these cultural issues aren't going away so why should their critics you know so i'm perfectly happy for people to keep on covering them but at least yeah. in an interesting way it's like this bill may interview with piers morgan he started it something like saying something awful like um um bill do you think that um, society is crazy now Wow, that's really profound, Piers. And then he says something like, do you think that um, society has lost all nuance, Bill? And you could see that Bill was just looking at him thinking like, oh my God, who is this fool interviewing me? <laughs> so that's what I have a problem with. If you're going to talk about these issues, which they do need to be talked about, at least find new sort of interesting avenues and ways to talk yeah. about them. Well, I mean, it's like it's like when you asked what we were going to talk about today, I put forward a few ideas, and one one of the themes that we have on our show is that this is the beginning of the end days of Western civilization. We are literally fiddling as Rome burns, because it appears that that the society is just going down a route that isn't going to sustain itself. Yes. I, um, I mean, so it, if, most people on our side would answer that. I don't know if it was a question, but anyway, they, they would respond to it by saying something like, um, you know, society's going to degenerate now and stuff like that. I'd say, actually, that, you know, when I was young, um, it was cool to be bad. Mm-hmm. It, you know, if someone in my school had said, um, certainly among, amongst the boys, if someone had said, um, you know, oh, I'm kind, I'm compassionate, and so forth. They'd have been beaten to a pulp, and probably yeah, rightly so, in my Bullied, bullied, head flushed <laughs> down the toilet. <laughs> yes, yeah. Atomic wedgies, yeah. Now they're the cool kids, and I really don't understand it, because, yeah, I, I was always, I was always <sighs> the quiet loner type at school who missed pretty much all of my final years. No. Because, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because I, I, I didn't want to interact with anybody else or be with them or anything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, okay, I but, get that. <laughs> but, 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 he's, but he's right. Even when I was at school, and I'm 33, if someone had come out like that, some of the, what we would have called back then the chav kids, would have beaten yeah. the shit out of them. They would have uh, done. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I think, you know, I think that uh, um, bring back bullying as far as I'm concerned, because at least it, it got people in order. And it's... This is a start of campaign, bring back the bullying. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, it's just like, um, you know, be, I don't know, it's just like... Well, certainly, I'll right, tell you what, as far yeah. as words are concerned, I think that's the problem, because we have removed bullying not just physically, but also in language. So you now can't say anything to anyone or it's bullying. aggression. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's gone much further. The, the, the it's gone thing. much further. The whole thing's ridiculous. I mean, 
<laughs> I had an incident last night where I asked a woman why she parked like that because she parked right across her doorway, and and um, and she goes, well, can't I park there? And I goes, well, no, you're not supposed to park there because that's parking for you know people that are using the gym. And she goes, well, there's no signs. And I'm like, well, there's no signs that say don't shit in the street, but you don't do that. And yeah. she's like, she's got, she's aghast, yeah, yeah. she's horrified. How can you say that to me? You know, and it's like, you know, well, I didn't say anything bad. I just pointed out that you don't need a sign to use your brain, you know? Yeah. But, but yeah. But, but, Sorry. But it's like, I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't really used to be very political at all. No, not at all. No. No, we, it seems like we've all been forced down this path. It really does. So the the problem, though, the problem now has become that I actually have become effectively an anarchist because I yeah. can't see any political party doing yeah. anything but harm. And so I, I'm coming to the point where I believe more in small government and certainly central government needs to have its wings clipped and the thing is how, how do we do that because you can't change a system like that from the inside no you can't uh, especially not in the Tory party mm -hmm. no, um, um, no 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 you know, I've always just had this inveterate disgust towards people who presume something what I can and can't do or can and can't say yep, yep. Uh, it just so happens that for, probably from the past five or ten years that's been coming from the left although I do see sections of the um, sort of factions of the fringes of, of the right that are doing that now, you know, like they'll what? say, oh, oh, James, you're controlled opposition or stuff like that. Oh, well, <laughs> believe me, I spent three <laughs> years dealing with that. We're I used to have my own channel that was way larger than this before it got censored for simply live streaming. But, um, but my, my, my God, the amount of people that would pop up in my chat, oh, you're controlled opposition. Like I'm a disabled man on a mobility scooter with a camera. <laughs> <laughs> Who is controlling me? Yeah. <laughs> I just love to be paid for doing what we're doing. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to be con uh, be, be um, controlled opposition. I'd love the paycheck if I could yeah, guess yeah. it. Yeah, who, who the hell would hire me a kind of like chain smoking alcoholic to be controlled opposition? Exactly. Is it? Who would hire? Who would hire really any of us that get accused of it? Because. I know, I know. I mean, what, what, what do we? If we controlled opposition, where, where is this money? Where is it getting spent? Because Christ, I want to know. I really do. And it's a row paychecks. But you, you know what? You don't need controlled opposition because people inherently want to be governed harder. Apart from, oh, apart from oh, the minority. John, what that is? There was this guy some sort of like pale-faced, cadaverous-looking creature <laughs> where he was wearing a mask and he ran, he ran... So we had the social distancing measures that were meant to be in place and he sort of ran up to me, got into my face, breaking all the social distancing measures that he did so um, to demand that I wear a face mask. And so obviously he yeah. wasn't scared of the virus. No. It was... What did he say? Something like... Um, why aren't you wearing a mask? Oh, you think we're better, us, better than us, do you? And, you know, but his question can uh, contain the clue to his grievance. It, it wasn't from fear of the virus. It was just from pure spite. I swerved the 
the rules to which he was slave. Mm-hmm. It was that well, well, ex- exactly. I remember I had a similar interaction. It was really one of the mm-hmm. only times that a member of the public came up to me, and I will never forget the mask that he was wearing because it was a print of Chewbacca's lower part of Chewbacca's face over his face and he was following me around Asda and just getting up in my like his face to my ear and just going twat over and over again and then I finally turned around and went I might be a twat but you're obviously too ugly to take that fucking mask off well come on, there we go. <laughs> but um, Jesus Christ it, but, but it was it was I, I think a lot of uh, a lot of people wanted to be governed harder as John said it's like God, oh, they did it, it was some people was daddy. yeah yeah it was like governing harder daddy absolutely and there was yeah. like that's something funny when I, so throughout the lockdown years I was living in Buxton and uh, it, one of these sort of heritage uh, tourist places that you can go into yeah. they sell some masks and because it was the sort of like place near the countryside <laughs> and, and this was completely unironic they were selling face masks which were a sheep <laughs> oh god <laughs> they didn't even get the <laughs> oh god <laughs> oh god <laughs> tell me tell me you saw some people wearing that mask no? oh yeah of course oh they did oh my yeah. god that's they tremendous thought it, they thought it was quite cute yeah <laughs> <laughs> So I love it. <laughs> I, I I even went to I went to France what four times? I went to France four times when we were supposed to all be locked down. I flew on a plane unmasked, I flew with EasyJet unmasked more than once. I um I, I went around all of Paris, I went indoors, outdoors, restaurants, everything completely without a mask. Um not not a care in the world, not a problem. And I never got challenged at all by authority. The only people that would ever really challenge me in any country was was the other people. And I mean, when we're supposed to have been in tier four restrictions here in Sussex, I drove to Eurotunnel and fucked off. You know, it was easy. It was easy enough to just do whatever you wanted to do if you just had the will to do well, it. Well, I, I moved and from people, Scotland to France, and then toured, toured eight countries in Europe, <laughs> and and you could go anywhere you wanted. You know, you could literally go anywhere you wanted because there was no restrictions, there was no borders, but you couldn't eat in a restaurant right. in Germany unless no. it was on the autobahn. If it was on the autobahn, you could. If you were on the service, here, if you went into a service station, there weren't really any restrictions because lorry drivers all use service stations, so you know they don't want to piss off the lorry drivers so you could eat uh, you could go in and eat you could go into mcdonald's you could buy it you, you were never asked to prove anything but as soon as you came off the autobahn and went on to say for instance a surface street or into a town and you went to go and buy something in mcdonald's no no you can't come in you need to have your 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 uh, passport your covid passport and obviously we didn't have that not sure that you were vaccinated or something. Yeah, yeah, you had to prove you yeah. were vaccinated to get into McDonald's in a town. But if you were in a service station, it didn't matter. But then that was that was that was a pantomime as but well. That was just because, Germany. I mean, even in France, that whole thing was a pantomime because mm. all they wanted to see was your compliance. They didn't care that you were actually treated or not. Yes. Because I walked around Paris for yeah. rocked around Paris for five days pretending to be a forty two year old woman named Susan with a screenshot. <laughs> and went where I wanted. Nobody so, cared. What's, ha- what's happening in France now? Because apparently they're taking over the stock exchange now. The protesters have they? Yeah. 
So they went in oh. and wrecked that. So it it does seem to be that France isn't stopping. And I mean, when I was yeah. there, they they were doing their protests and they did them every week. You know, regardless of weather, regardless of you know people that did or didn't turn out, they would keep going. And it looks like they're doing the same. Except, I mean, did you see Macron? Do you see the um? You see the welcome he got when he was out trying to speak to people. You were just booing him off the street. I didn't. Look, sir. Do we? Sorry. Do we think the Britain? No, I didn't see that. No, it wouldn't surprise me really. Um, it really pains me to say this, but you know the French do protest much more, much better than we do. Yeah, they oh, do. I, I, I think that that's a simple fact, and I think that I think that here in Britain. I think we're just too comfortable. That's, that's generally what I think. I think we're all too comfortable, and people just want to get on with their comfortable lives, and that's why they they just go along with whatever they're told. Um, convenience has ultimately caused what I would see as a downfall. Yeah, no, it's the convenience culture. It's the, it's the safetyism culture. It's all of that stuff. It's been happening since probably the nineties. And um, yes. Um, but I don't know, probably there's something in the British nature. So I wrote this article about the underground um, a few weeks ago. And I do think that, I said something in there about it, but I think that British people have some sort of mysterious attachment to rules. And I think that's part, partly explains why we went so insane during COVID. Well, it's um, why the Brits love to queue so much. Oh, that's yeah, a trick, well, well, exactly, yeah. I mean, it's like... <laughs> that's <laughs> it. What, what are we known for? Queuing. So that's... Yeah. Really, what are we going to follow the orders in, uh, during lockdown? Yeah. Whereas yeah. John here will just use me and my disabilities to skip queues, won't you, John? Oh, I mean, <laughs> I, remember, I went to the post office. I went to the post office during lockdown in, in the town we were living in at the point, in, in the UK, in Scotland, and there was like eight people standing outside, and this was towards the end when restrictions were released and whatever, and there was like eight people standing outside it. And it was cold. It was a winter. It was a winter. And I walked. I walked past him, and I goes, "There's nobody going in, because there was one person in the post office, and all it said on the door was, no more than two school children at any one time, <laughs> because you know what it's like. They don't want a mob of kids and stealing everything. But nobody would go in." Because they'd be conditioned over the last year or so not to do things. And they just queued outside like good little sheep. Oh, well, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Well, my uh, pharmacy, I, I went to pick up my, my this month's medication today. They're still doing it to this day outside my, my pharmacy. They still queue. Yeah, there um, there's no there's no reason to there's no sign saying to and uh, I, I get somewhat annoyed with it and I just said well if nobody's going in I am and in mm -hmm. I went mm. yeah, because I, I, I'm not queuing I'll tell you something else that really annoys me about British people is this sort of um, tall poppy syndrome thing uh, where or, or reverse snobbery whatever you want to call it where someone is and, you know it's never the it's never the sort of high class people that say it to the low orders. It's always low orders that say it to themselves, like working class people that say it to themselves. Yeah. Like, I mean, um, you know, if someone, if you were from a working class background and you're doing vaguely well for yourself, then they'll say something like, oh, don't get out the visibility station, blah, 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 ooh, arc it in, you know, stuff like that. And so I used to work with my local council 
uh, in the benefits uh, benefits office, and there was this awful woman there, hideously obese. And um, yeah, she whatever I would say, like if I was saying, oh, I'll, I might go holiday to Spain or Cornwall or something, and she'll say, well, just just you remember our James. This is the real world right here. And she she'd always make a make a point of that. And it's just like I hate this British people, you know. I just hate it, you know. Why 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 do you have to feel so jealous about people if they if they get get on and do well? Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. I celebrate success. I, I, I've received absolutely none of it myself, but I don't begrudge <laughs> anybody who does. I, I, I am, I am, you know, I'm a, I'm a capitalist through and through at heart. I am, I am, a, I absolutely love the idea of being a forge, being able to forge your own path and make your own way and do it on merit and merit, you know, basically merit alone on the merit of your actions. But, uh, I, the, the major corporations don't agree with that. The major yeah. corporations won't allow you to do that anymore. And it, it does feel like there is an air of surf getting your place from these people who have oh, yes. put themselves up. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yes. Well, yes, completely. <laughs> it's like, um, I don't know if you've read this book called The Intellectuals and the Masses. It was by uh, this guy called John Carey, written in, I think, 1992, the year after I was born. But, but it has so many parallels now uh, with the kind of liberal elites, um, you know, just with Brexit and stuff, where the elites had their, you know, very sort of exclusive quarter. And then when the, um, um, when the uh, mass press came about and, and people could, you know, even the sort of working class were able to read stuff, then they got very sort of, uh, you know, scared and threatened that their space might get invaded. And I think it was the same thing to do with Brexit and to do with so many things now. I think it's, I think it's why like people like Mariana Spring and people from the BBC slur people as conspiracy theorists, because they know that the BBC is, you know, the legacy media is dying. Uh, we've got places like, you know, your YouTube channel, you know, other places, other yeah. Online applications that can say stuff, and so they want to. So often, I think that um, the slur conspiracy theorist is basically saying, "Shut up, pleb." Yeah. You know, yeah. Get yeah. Your... No. And it, it's used. It's used when they don't have when they don't have any kind of rhetoric to come back to a certain or specific argument that you're yeah. making. It's it's yeah. used as, a, as an attack on your character rather than rather than a rebuttal to any argument you might be making. Now, are there a lot of conspiracy theories out there that are absolutely rabbit hole crackpot crazy? Absolutely, there are. There are a load of them. But uh, some conspiracy theories wind up being true. And well, conspiracies. Well, first of all, we have to establish the fact that conspiracies exist. Well, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, what was Watergate, for goodness' sake, or, or exactly. any other ones before that? And so it's just um, no, the, 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 the Gulf the, of Tonkin. The, the, the Gulf of Tonkin is a classic, isn't it? You know, it never happened, and yet for 40, 50 years it was put forward as a reason why the Vietnam War occurred, and yet it turned out it was all a fabrication by the Americans. Right, right. So you know, classic, classic conspiracy theory that turns out to be true. Yeah, yeah. But if, the think, thing is that so many uh, journalists now, like, I don't want to mention a name more than four times, which I already have, but very high spring again. <laughs> um, or, or let's say people from the New York Times, for instance, who imagine themselves as these kind of maverick journalists that, you know, this kind of 
Watergate era journalists. Yeah, they think they're Woodward and Bernstein, don't they? Holding, yeah. holding truth to power and stuff like yeah. this. They're not holding truth to power. Uh, in most cases, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're protecting power rather than holding yeah, truth yeah. to it. Well, of yep. course they are. I, you know, we'll continue to use Mariana as an example because I think she's <laughs> the most, I, I personally think she is the most egregious case in this country, and I, the reason I think that is because she has dubbed herself, assigned herself, and proudly touts about that she is the the first disinformation expert in the BBC's history. But in order to be a disinformation expert, would say that you and you alone know the truth. That is basically what she is telling you. She is, she is, she's doing yeah. Jacinda Ardern in saying, I am your single source of truth if it's not coming mm. from me. Or it's, it's, yes, it's, it's, yeah. And it's, it's egregious because that can't be the case. One 20-something, 30-something year old woman doesn't know more than the entirety of the country. And she's not right. going to be right all of the time. It's like I was saying, you know, I was saying before when I was kind of mildly taken piss out of the sort of um, young right-wing commentators that go on talk TV and GB News, like they're expected to know everything, yeah. you know, whether it's time change or, or stuff like that. Same with Mariana. How can she, how can she, what on earth qualifies her to be an expert in all these matters to fact-check them? Well, well, the thing is, what, what she does is she goes to fact-checking websites, which are probably 20-something-year-old people themselves in mummy's basement yeah, just writing yeah. an opinion, because we yeah, don't know yeah. who runs these it's things or who they are. But she'll go to those websites and go, oh, Snopes says it's not true, therefore it must not be true. Yes. You know, anyone could do that, though. So why, exactly. how can she get paid probably upwards of 60k a year to do that? When anyone mildly, because she's mildly attractive yeah. and she sold herself to the BBC. That's but, what that's what it is. By the same yeah. token, though, and I, I don't like to use the term, I don't like to pick sides, right? But there are people not on the mainstream narrative side that don't help themselves because they run yeah, a mock on Twitter retweeting things that they haven't even given a cursory glance to. And you know, in, in two seconds, you know, it's a load of, uh, it's a complete fabrication. Yeah. I'll give you a prime example. And, you know, I, I don't care if people in the chat or who watch this back crucify me for this, but these emergency alerts are not going to turn everybody into zombies fire 5G. Exactly. I'm sorry, but they're not. <laughs> I, it's not going to happen. They're just, a, they're a slight inconvenience. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all they are. I really don't get the whole thought about this. I mean, yeah, flights and inconvenience. And yes, perhaps they might, it might be a slippery slope, but. I couldn't care less. It's like the same thing with um, the um, ULEZ stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was this big protest, I think, was it last weekend or something? And anyway, I knew some people who were there and, you know, they were, you know, flickering wild fury there. Like, you know, this is the end of times and so And then when they got uh, put on camera and they were asked, well, well do, do you know what ULEZ, the ULEZ measures are? They'd say, I don't know what they are, but I know that they're bad. Yeah, it's like well, this is it. But the same thing propagated throughout the uh, throughout the, the 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 COVID protests. The same things propagated there. But well, like, I'll tell you, I like the I like the way though that people are dealing with the ULES cameras. I do. I think. It's oh, right. I do too. Yes. It's very. I won't. No, I won't say that. Um, yeah. 
I won't condone what they're doing. No, but, um, but we're not condemning it. <laughs> we, we will neither <laughs> condemn or condone. Exactly. <laughs> no, as, as to what you were saying, that you know, throughout lockdown, there were some people who had no history in politics and stuff like that, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really either, but I know that the word grifter is overused, but my God, I've come across some grifters. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. You know, we wish we we wish we 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 wish we could have at least earned that label, but we we haven't. So, but but you're absolutely you're absolutely well, right. And did, did you see the advert? Them. Did you see the advert that came out today for Isabel Oakshaw and Toby oh Maguire and I mean twenty five Toby Young Toby Young twenty five quid for a standard ticket to listen to them talking about. Matt Hancock's yeah. tweets. Lawrence Fox will be appearing as Matt, Matt Hancock. Hancock. <laughs> Good God. Oh, yeah, he was well. terrible as Hunter Biden. I mean, I- I'll be honest. The guy I'm cannot not saying, act. I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Reserve well, judgment. I'll be, I, I mean, personally, I think that Lawrence is a good actor. And it's, um, <laughs> I, 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 I think Lawrence is a good actor and that he, um, um, he has this kind of like raw rock and roll sex appeal. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> I know, he, no, no, John, because I actually, I know exactly what James is talking about. I can see that. I can definitely see where that is coming from. Now, um, now, just now me I enjoyed the film. I enjoyed the, the, the My Son Hunter movie. I, en- I enjoyed it. I watched it maybe, Oh, my God. Maybe not for the reasons that other people enjoyed it. It's hilarious. People are so, it is. It is very. Uh, it's funny. hilarious. It you need to watch funny. it. It's terrible. Um, <laughs> it's so bad. I, and you could I, you could literally <laughs> cut it to about twenty minutes, and that would that would probably make it watchable. John, anything that Gina Carano in gets a pass from me. Oh. I love the woman. And, and I love the woman, especially when um, when the man playing um, Joe Biden sniffs her. <laughs> She's the security guard and he sniffs her here. <laughs> um, the chat room, a question from the chat room. Opinions on uh, Majid Nawaz got banned from LBC. BC. Well, that was like two years ago or something, yeah, it wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've met him once or twice. Uh, I don't know what I think to him, really. Yeah. No, and the th- the thing is, the thing is that is because we we since he got in from LBC, he does his own thing. I think he does a show called Radical, but it's so obscure now that you don't really see or hear much from it. Um, I I I don't know what to think of so many of these people that that have or are still put themselves in that category of were with or for the mainstream because ultimately if they were running at any point with those mainstream platforms surely they had guidelines and censorship lines that they had to follow so you have to you have to question everything there and do you know what the irony of that situation is I thought the job of a journalist was to question everything. And that doesn't seem to be what the job of a journalist is anymore. The, 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 it seems like the, the job no. of questioning everything goes to people like us who yes, I yes, yes. call ourselves self-styled journalists. But yeah, you, you could. Well, what is the, this is the thing. It's, uh, yeah, Ben, um, 
it's like if you were to call this top journalist and um, in the presence of uh, someone who works for, let's say, the Spectator or the Telegraph or something, yeah. uh, they you know, they'd sneer you into hell and say, oh, how are you doing this? You didn't study it, did you? Uh, well, you know, you, <laughs> from a technical term, you are a journalist. Um, well, it's by just... fire by reporting on so much that I did during exactly. the last three years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you do you do more you know you, you live up more to the uh, type the title of profession than they do, uh, but it's just journalism in Britain has become more of a class system than a profession. I think yeah. it really is. Just, I have... it really is. You know, as I was saying before, it's basically just like the public school boys who were too thick to go into finance, so they're going to journalism. Yeah, um, so I, I can actually give you a prime example of this because I was live streaming. Sorry, I was live streaming um, by the BBC in London, and we were around the back, and we were following the police. And I had a guy just come at me out of the blue. He, he came at me and he goes, "So w what are you doing here? Why are you doing this? Why have you got a camera? Are you a journalist?" And I said, "Well, I'm doing journalism right now. I'm showing people what is going on, and people are watching." And he went, "Well, do you have one of these?" And he pulled his bloody card out. He pulled his press card out. He went, do you have one of these? Because this is a real press card. And if you don't have one of these, I, I said, well, first of all, that's not a legally recognized document. That is that is not. It is a private. Uh, it's a private, it's a private accreditation. Yeah. It's a private accreditation. It, yes, it is recognized, but it's not legally recognized. And I said, secondly, right now, the only one of us standing here, well, sitting in my case, doing journalism is me. Because you're the one sneering at me for showing people what's going on. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, well, yes. It's, you're right. It's class. It's a class, and they've. They, no, it has it, been a class system. Absolutely, it has. Yeah. yeah. And and they and do, they sneer at people. They sneer. What they do is like <laughs> I, I don't want to say names, but a very prominent and very very prominent. Uh, conservative journalist and author, you know, whenever he gets into an argument, um, and he's gay, by the way, it's like, if, well, I will mention that to say that, you know, um, I'm gay myself, obviously, and, you know, if I'm going to be sort of a catty queen, then I'd, I'd do it with panache, you know, I'd, I'd make a show of it oh. and do something that's like free oh, sort of. Course. Whereas this certain very famous gay journalist and author, whenever he gets into a fight, he'll just do sort of lazy, performative, pretentious stuff where he says, like, oh, who do you, who do you work for? Uh, well, you work for unrecognised publication or something like that. It's like... No. I, I shouldn't have even mentioned that because I think people might know what I'm talking about, but I should shut up. <laughs> well, well, no. This is this is a space where people can say whatever the hell they want. But yeah, you know. Yeah. But 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 ultimately, ult ultimately, you're right. Um, and I would say that a a vast vast swathe of people. And I mean, before I was unscrupulously banned from Twitter for eleven months, still don't like you, Elon Musk. But thank you for giving my account back. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I would follow you, and I would follow your opinions, and I would follow people that. That I would never have even thought to follow before people that, that that I would not have linked with the idea of journalism and looking at mm. what they were doing because at the end of the day, the stuff coming out of 
the little guy, the ordinary people, the people that were popping up and giving themselves to the niche audiences, seemed to be, it seemed to just be better journalism. Even if it was just questioning, or even if it, like, I'll give you an example of what I was doing. I don't know if you remember, but my videos went everywhere about two and a half years ago, because I would turn up at test centers all over the country and just right. film them empty. I would just film them empty, film them empty, film them empty. And that's why I got censored, because I was showing them something inconvenient. Uh, yeah. But uh, but I I did I I did the and I'm not gay but but people did ask because I would I would I would do I would essentially be a cutting queen to these people and <laughs> where are all the people huh where are they and start and uh, that to me actually going out and investigating things on the ground was journalism whereas what we were seeing coming out of the newsrooms wasn't yeah but you don't you don't need to go out and investigate stuff on the ground to be a journalist. Yeah, but I would say it was actual I mean, journalism, practical, whereas what they weren't doing it. Practical journalism, right? And you were right. you were doing acts of research, but you know, even just right, guys, my, can I can I just sing straight very briefly? My yeah. same, uh, sorry, my um, computer battery is on three percent. Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, uh, we're, we're coming I, towards I'm the, in the we're coming towards the end of the hour. Um, so if you so, want, um, yeah, I can see if you want to wrap it up, that's fine with us. Um, I think it's been. No, I, I, no, I was, I, I, have we lost it? You're really breaking up, James. Yeah, we are. Enjoying conversation. It's just I don't have a lead here in the kitchen. Um, so we're, we're losing you, mate. I think it's. Um, Maybe it's gone into some sort of power saving mode. Yes, I've I've got you. I've got you. I could. I've kind of got your audio. Um. So if if we are losing you, can you hear me now? We yes, but we would be more than happy to continue this conversation at another time if you would be. Mm -hmm. Oh yes, yeah, no, of course, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. Um, I've enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's, been, it's enjoyed. been a good chat. We've had an hour. I think that's uh, reasonable. Um, I've very much enjoyed the conversation tonight. I'd like to thank you, James, for coming along. Um, and I'm hoping that you'll come back one evening and we'll do the same thing again. Of course. All right. Thank you very Cheers, much. Guys. Thank you. Cheers, James. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye. I would like to uh, thank one and all, obviously, for joining us yeah. for this, this chat with James Bembridge of Country Inspire magazine. Uh, and, and, and I'd like to thank you that do come back every night. Obviously, we will be back well, tomorrow night, 9 p.m. John will be getting pissed and we'll be talking the news of the week. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> if you... If you, you that's, always, that's always a cracker. You guys know it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I think that's all the housekeeping out of the way. John, over to you. Oh, I want to thank everybody for passing us past 900 today. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Past 900 on the march to 1,000. So we oh. will get there. So remember, tomorrow night, Friday night, all in. Last show from the Scottish studio. Then then the next show will be in the new Scottish studio. Yeah, yeah, okay. But there you go. So um, I'd like to thank everyone, James included, and... It's been great for you. For you. You can see the riding on the pavement. Your kids are growing up in basements. Online, a whole new generation. I'ma make mine, so you better go take it. Always they need 